A lifetime of hard work, children laughing in the kitchen, family photos on a restaurant wall, a legacy that lives on. It all comes from the power of a conversation, like the one Tommy Hall had with First Horizon Bank about taking over his father's Charleston-based restaurant business. Now the table is set for a whole new generation. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Tommy. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Well, welcome to Let's Talk About It with Janelle King. I am Janelle King, and this is Extra 106.3. This is where we discuss kitchen table topics that are banned from family gatherings, but necessary for a strong republic. And I'm as I say that slogan each time, I am reminded that that list continues to grow. It seems like there's a lot of topics that are just off the table. No one wants to talk about it. It causes division. So I think that part of that is understandable. I think the other part of it is that it's a bit concerning. It's a bit concerning that we're not having genuine conversations. You know, one of the the things about me is I really hate small talk. I cannot stand it. Um, (laughs) I understand that it's necessary in so many different environments and it's called being social, but it's just not my thing. And it's because so often small talk turns into just being phony. You know, you're not really saying how you really feel about things. You what you're really doing is just kind of walking around, trying to keep the peace, trying to be calm, trying to let everyone feel like you care about what they're saying. When, in fact, most people are only thinking about what they want to think about, what they think is right. Um, oftentimes, because we move so much throughout the state and we do speaking engagements and we talk to so many different people, there's so many times where I am talking to someone and they just don't even realize that in this entire five or six minutes that we've been talking that I have not said one word. It's unbelievable to me. It's so unbelievable. Matter of fact, my husband and I spent a weekend with a couple and we, we walked away from the home, very nice people. However, we walked away from the home and I looked, we got in the car and I was like, I don't think they know anything about us. A whole weekend, not one question was asked about us. The whole entire weekend was dedicated to hearing stories on top of stories on top of stories about their life, what they like, what they think is right, what their opinion is. And if you try to interject, it immediately goes back to them. And I looked at that and I said, you know, this is very interesting because I don't think that they're bad people. I just think that we as a society has turned into self-loving individuals who are extremely selfish and just really only think that our way is right. We care so much about everything that makes us feel right There's so much information bias going on. And if you're not having these tough conversations, if you're not uh, finding yourself in a position where you're stepping outside of getting to know 
you, you know, of, of outside of trying to get other people to understand your point, when you if you genuinely want to understand the other point, I feel like that's where we need to get to. We have to be interested in so many other things. That being said, today we're going to talk about this red wave, this concept of a red wave that I hear every freaking election cycle. It's so annoying. I'm like, what are we talking about? And the reason why it's annoying is because as Republicans, I feel like, and conservatives all together, we just get so excited about the idea of a red wave. But when it's time to focus in on the elements that will create the red wave, we become disillusioned. We get so thrown off. We start fighting. We can't unite on anything. Everything seems to be a problem. That's frustrating. And we're losing a lot of people because of it. It's extremely frustrating. So let's talk about it. I mean, is it an idea or should we be taking a more realistic glance at whether or not this whole concept of a red wave is something that's even realistic? All right, let's talk about it. Because at the end, I'm going to tell you what I really think. Not that I don't. I think I always tell you what I really think. But <laughs> that's, that's who I am. <laughs> Sidebar, funny story. Last night, my husband and I were talking, and he always laughs at me because... I have to bounce off my response to things with him because he's just so he, he he has a better filter than I have when it comes to what would be what would go over well. A lot of times my comments if are like my perspective on things is so direct that if you're in a room or you're at dinner, there are times when I've said things and we're at dinner and Next thing you know, everyone there is just quiet and they're looking at me like, did she really just say that? And then Kelvin's like just going on eating because he knows who I am. But I like to filter it through him because oftentimes people are just not ready for a direct statement. And I get that and I understand that. So I try to watch that. But at the same time, I got to be me. So that being said, <laughs> let's come back from that sidebar. <laughs> If you hear something in the course of this podcast that is offensive to you, I apologize for offending, but not for what I said, if what I said is true. And I think being okay with offense has to be the starting point of fixing what's happening right now in our country. Why, why am I focusing on this red wave? Because we have an election coming up in 2024. But before we can look at 2024, we've got to go back and look at what happened in past elections. So let's just start with 2020, because I think that's where everything took a turn, took a major turn. Not that there wasn't things that happened beforehand or problems beforehand, but in 2020, it just went off the rails. For whatever reason that you played, whatever role you played or whatever part you played in it going off the rails, just know that we all played a part. If you think you didn't, that's playing a part. That's part of the problem. But let's just start by looking at this. Let's look at this journey our, our, of all of our red waves. Because we thought we were going to have a red wave in 2020, lost the presidency. Now, whether you think it was because of election fraud or whether you think it's because of the Lincoln Project and all of the Republicans that didn't come out the vote and the percentage of white males that, that fell away from the Republican Party, however you want to say it, however you want to put it out there, whatever. The point is, we don't have a Republican in the White House. So we lost the presidency. In 2022... We had a midterm where we did gain the House, but barely, but we lost the Senate when we didn't have to. 
particularly here in Georgia. But I'm not going to get on that soapbox. Then we have 2023. Now here we are, and we have major elections throughout the state. There wasn't one here in Georgia. Ours was during, uh, was in 2022. But there were a lot of major elections that went on in 2023. And let's look at them. For instance, Virginia. Virginia has a Republican governor, yet Virginia Democrats maintain control of the state Senate, and they flip the House of Delegates. They flip the House with a Republican governor who was putting in time, energy, and everything, everything he had, into trying to maintain that seat. And then we look at Kentucky, another red wave that did not show up. Matter of fact, I don't even know if we have red ripples happening right now. Kentucky, we had Democrat Governor Andy Brashear was reelected to his second term um, after he was running against Attorney General Daniel Cameron, who happened to be a black conservative, who definitely rose out of the primary. But Bashir won. He won the governorship. I thought that was interesting. Daniel Cameron had a Trump endorsement. Mm, didn't seem to carry any weight. Matter of fact, I have reason to believe, and I'll get into that in a second, that I think that that actually hurt him. On top of that, a lot of his messaging was very hard right in a general I kind of respect that to a certain degree, because if that's what you're saying in a primary, then I don't believe that you should flip flop into the general because that makes me not trust you. So maybe that's what he was saying in his primary. and He just kind of maintained the messaging. But either way, he came in at around six hundred and twenty seven thousand votes. But if you look at the other Republicans like Russell Coleman, who ran for AG, he received seven hundred and fifty two thousand votes. Another Republican, Michael Adams, secretary of state, got seven hundred and eighty five thousand votes. So we're talking about about over 100,000 people. I think it's like 120 between uh, or so between uh, Adams and Daniel and 150 or so between um, Russell, Russell Coleman and Daniel Cameron. <clears throat> Either way, over 100,000 people skipped the first name on the ballot and voted Republican all down the ballot. 100,000 people did not vote for Daniel Cameron. Man, these are Republicans. I would say these are Republicans because if you look at the trend of all the other Republicans and how many votes they won, it's pretty clear and obvious that there was something wrong. Now, was it the Trump endorsement? I don't know. I mean, I think it plays a role. I do think there were people, some people who said, I don't want to vote for anybody who Trump's connected with because there are a lot of voters who are like that right now. Then you have the fact that was his message too hard right? Was it too far to the right? I don't know. Then you got to ask yourself, were the other Republicans just moderate? If that's the case, then that means that a lot of voters are feeling moderate. I think there are voters who are moderate because they're just tired. But we're going to explore it. We're going to deep dive into this. We're going to really go into it in the next segment because I really want to put this in the face of conservatives as we're walking into 2024. We cannot go into this and get blindsided again and again and again. So thank you so much for tuning in. You're listening to uh, Let's Talk About It with Janelle King. I am Janelle King. This is Extra 106.3 and we'll be right back. A lifetime of hard work, children laughing in the kitchen, family photos on a restaurant wall, a legacy that lives on. 
It all comes from the power of a conversation, like the one Tommy Hall had with First Horizon Bank about taking over his father's Charleston-based restaurant business. Now the table is set for a whole new generation. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Tommy. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Hi, I'm Mark Beckham with Atlanta Ramjack. We specialize in only foundation repair. What is foundation repair? Foundations sink or settle. These issues need to be addressed. It only becomes more costly the longer you put it off. What is the biggest cause of foundation problem? Either poor construction, inferior site preparation, or weather. Drought causes cracks in your foundations. If you see any signs of foundation issues, please contact us at AtlantaRamjack.com. All right. Welcome back to Let's Talk About It with Janelle King. I am Janelle King, and this is Extra 106.3. Before the break, we were talking about what happened in Virginia, what happened in Kentucky, what happened in 2020, because the topic of this show is Red Wave. The Red Wave. Is it a reality or is it a myth? Is this a real thing or is it not? So I broke down the numbers in the Kentucky race, and I think it's very clear that something went wrong. Something happened that certainly did not pan out well for Republicans. That being said, let's take our attention to why I believe the Republican Party is struggling right now. I think it is very, very clear personally I like to say that me being a millennial, even though I'm on the older side of it, (laughs) I like to say that I can lean into both sides. I can kind of see where our older voters are coming from, and I can absolutely see where our younger voters are coming from. And I disagree with things on both sides, and I agree with things on both sides. But that doesn't make me a moderate. And the reason why I don't consider myself to be a moderate is because I believe that conservative values and principles, if we can keep it there, I believe they are strong. I think they will win out. I think we will be okay. I think we can win elections. And I believe that people have a hunger for that, that aspect of politics. So what am I talking about? What am I saying? Well, let's look at our younger voters, right? Let's 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 turn our attention to what is the force behind these elections, behind the losses, and some of the gains. And so, I'm gonna, in this segment, I'm going to talk about our younger voters. I'm going to talk about diverse voters, and I'm going to talk about the presence of third-party candidates, because these are three angles that, if Republicans don't wake up and pay attention, we are going to get accustomed to being losers. And it's going to keep happening. And the funny part about it is that it's going to be everyone else seeing it that way except for Republicans. And that's going to be weird. (laughs) I kind of think we might already be there. But anyway, but anyway, and I like to have these conversations. I like to have these conversations leading up to the holidays because there are a lot of people that are going to jack up Thanksgiving and Christmas because you want to have these ridiculous conversations about stuff that nobody else is talking about. Because once again, like I said in the first segment, you have to be right. 
And that is where we're going wrong. All right. Let me get off that for a second. Young voters. Let's talk about young voters. Today, we are at over 70 million millennials and over 70 million Gen Zers. Not combined. (laughs) We're talking about two totally different groups of people. Over 70 million. And I already know the talking point, which is, but they don't vote. They don't participate. Well, first of all, they absolutely participate because they're driving social media right now. The fact that we have had to have a uh, march for the support of Israel, that was kind of a response to the marches that were in support of the Palestinian people, so to speak. But really, it is Hamas because Hamas is who controls Gaza City. But that's a whole other conversation. Go listen to my past episodes on that. We talked about that already. Either way, our younger voters are driving the narrative. They're driving the discussion. You don't have to like it, but it's happening. So this talking point, they don't vote, they're not participating, they're not around, is delusional. And it's also delusional because, like I said, I'm considered a millennial and I will be 40 next year. So that means that a lot of the millennials, maybe you can say the Gen Zers are not as involved in voting and all that stuff, but a lot of the millennials are absolutely involved. And they are 100%, 100% going to be a part of the voting population, whether you like it or not. Because a lot of our older voters are going to pass away. So... Our millennials and then our Gen Zers, it's, I mean, that's just the natural progression. So we better start learning and start paying attention to what matters to this group of people. And if what matters to them is not what matters to you, then you better find a way to communicate that to them. Emphasis on communicate, not bludgeon, not force not, you know, curse out, not disrespect. We've got to figure way, figure out how to communicate in an appropriate manner, one that is effective. Because at this point, we're not effective. We're not effective at all. But anyway. So that's where our younger voters are. And a lot of our younger voters are leaning towards third-party candidates. And I have some proof. I have some proof. I come with receipts. I always come with receipts, you know, I mean, because if you don't have it, <laughs> no one's going to believe you. They're going to go into their little silo and they're going to say, well, nope, you're, that's your opinion. No, I have receipts. Because one thing I do know is that the Republican Party is not talking to young voters in the way that they should. Recently, my husband and I started a town hall series called Candidate with the Can- Candidate. I'm sorry, Candid with the Candidates. And it's a town hall series where we bring in presidential candidates to come and talk to our um, young people. And we're partnering with AYR, the Atlanta Young Republicans. And we've also had the Kennesaw College Republicans were there. Um, We spoke with the UGA College Republicans. And so we we purposely wanted to partner with our younger generation for two reasons. One, we've got to make sure 
that they are fully aware, fully equipped, and where we're passing down information that was not readily available because either they weren't born or they were children or they didn't care Whatever stage they were in when major things was happening, it's up to us to pass that down. It's up to us to really push new information there so that they can have more information when making decisions. Not telling them how to think or what to think and all that stuff, but just let's just take a look at maybe this perspective here. Okay? The second reason why we worked with the young Republicans is because older Republicans could not get over the fact that we were having a town hall that represented the primary as the primary should be represented. The number of older people who said to us, why are you bringing in Governor Asa Hutchinson? He's not even leading in the polls. I could not believe it. It was so fascinating to me that it felt like almost like the older you get, the more disconnected from reality you become. It's so bizarre to me. I'm just like, for one, we have to teach young people how the process is supposed to go. We have to teach them that while you have people out here saying that the system is racist, that the system is broken, that the system doesn't matter. And if you're one of those people on the Republican side saying the system's broken, you're no different than the people that are saying the system is racist. Or the system is, 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 is being destroyed or the system is hijacked or whatever else you're saying about the system. Instead of acknowledging the fact that, no, the people are broken, the people may be racist, but the system is the system. It's a system that's been going on for centuries. It's clearly a strong system. It's built a strong country. But we're not adequately explaining this. And if you're one of those people who are saying that, you know, the, the government is now being weaponized against me, then when NWA was like, F the police, I mean, what's the difference? I mean, if, if the FBI is being weaponized against us, then what are you saying? Okay? <laughs> Let's be clear. Let's be clear. Just because you're saying it differently doesn't mean the intention or the definition or the, or, or the outcome or how it's perceived is different. So we've got to pay attention to that. And that leads me into diverse voters. I was on Fox News recently. I did a Fox hit. And we were talking about this. We were talking about the, the, the fact that there are a lot of particularly black voters that are leaving the Democratic Party. But it's happening on, with, with uh, Hispanic voters as well. And other diverse communities are also turning their backs on the Democrat Party. We're seeing a lot of this happen with some Jewish people who are like, wait a minute, y'all are supporting Hamas. I'm confused. <laughs> so we're seeing that. So there's a lot of people that are, are, are pulling away from the Democrat Party, but mostly pulling away from the extreme progressive ideology that's being, you know, stirred up over there. However, one of the things that I said was assuming that the black voter are with us simply because they're not with the Democrats is counting the chickens before they hatch. We, that's not even true. That's not true. And it's so funny because I kind of gave my whole rant, and then there was another gentleman who was on the panel. It was a black man, business owner. He comes in, and then the question is asked, you know, does 
I mean, what do you think about, you know, black men that are moving to Trump? And and bless his heart, his statement was, I don't know any black men in my circle that are moving towards Trump. So I said to myself, after the hit was over, I started really thinking about this. And I was like, where did that narrative come from? Have we polled black men? I don't think we have. I think it's an assumption. It's an assumption. It's the assumption that because black men are fed up with Democrats, that that means they're coming to vote for Trump. No, it means that they're open to hearing about the Republican message and hearing from Republican candidates. But what he said was, actually, we're more in limbo. And that's what I keep trying to explain, is that black voters are courting us. They're courting all the third-party candidates. I had a black guy who I'm, I'm friends with or cool with who said that uh, he was voting third party. And I thought that was interesting. I said, okay. And whenever they feel like the Republican Party is a little too crazy, then they're going to naturally start looking at third party candidates. So while they're courting us, if you're going to be the date that just sits across from the table with your legs crossed, smoking a cigar and having a bourbon and saying, well, clearly we're the right, clearly I'm the person you should be with. I don't know any woman in America who would think that that's attractive. Like, I mean, it's not attractive. Nobody wants that person. Who wants the person who feels like I got it all right? I, I, I'm the clear, the clear front runner here. I'm the clear option. Everybody go, you know, just pick me. <laughs> that's ridiculous. <laughs> it's absolutely ridiculous. Instead, they want you to say, this is why supporting this party or supporting this person, this is why you should be with me. Because I can do this. I can bring this to the table. I can help you here. I understand this about you. So whoever figures out how to do that is going to get that vote. It doesn't automatically mean the Republicans. And to be honest, you got RFK walking around barefoot in the, air, in the uh, airplane or in the uh, airport. <laughs> I mean, and be honest. Okay, y'all. When I saw him walk down the aisle from the bathroom in the airplane I, barefoot, I was just thinking, sir, that is so unsanitary. But <laughs> but I guess, I don't know, if it's on the bottom of your foot, I mean, maybe, I don't know. But either way, that's just my little sidebar. But this leads me to the third-party candidates. Do you know that RFK is polling at 25% in a head-to-head match between Biden and Trump? 25%. We haven't seen that, and I can say this, Literally, I've never seen that because the last time that happened was with Ross Perot. Like, like we have three generations that probably, have, well, maybe two, two generations, if you count the alphas, but they're little right now. But two generations of, of people who are living on this earth right now who doesn't even know, wasn't even born, wasn't even around when Ross Perot hit his 25% in the third party race. I, I thought that was fascinating. Do you know that majority of RFK supporters are under the age of 45? <laughs> That's funny. My producer's like, "That's me." No. <laughs> under the age of 45. You're under 45. 23. 23. So my producer's 23 and you're supporting RFK? Interesting. That's fascinating. I I I find that to be fascinating. But that being said, 
that means the message has to matter more than the messenger. Like, it has to. Because, again, go back to that dating table, okay? We're at dinner, smoking that cigar, drinking that bourbon, and you're the messenger with no message. Or the message you're really giving is, um, pick me because I'm right. That's ridiculous. I mean, that would turn me off so much. Anyway, when it comes to diverse voters and young voters, you have to have a reason to vote Republican. And the reason can't be, we'll fix everything. The reason can't be, (laughs) I'm the only one that can prevent World War III. I mean, who believes this stuff? Like, it's insanity. That's not a reason. Where's your economic plan? Where's your policy positions? How are you going to do these things? What's making you so confident? Got to answer those questions. Not only that, but we better have an answer to the abortion topic. Because if you really want to go back to the data that I gave in the first segment, where I said I talked about what happened in Virginia and Kentucky, in Virginia, it's pretty clear that abortion was the issue. Because Governor Yunkin decided to make his uh, push towards a 15-week ban to be his talking points during this election. (laughs) So basically what you did was you just energize every person who feels like the government shouldn't be controlling reproductive rights or however you want to put it. That's their side. That's how they say it. I don't think abortion is reproductive rights because to reproduce means you're having the child. So I'm really confused about why we're calling abortion anything reproductive. But anyway, whole other conversation, another podcast. I've already done that one. However, you have, uh, uh, they made abortion the, like, the holy grail of the whole election cycle, and you just energize the other side, when in fact, we have already said several times over that we wanted this topic to go back to the states. That's what we said. We said we're going to let the states decide. The states who decide that we want that this is going to be an abortion, you know, anti-abortion state, that's because that's what the majority of the people did. The states who say that we want this to be a pro-abortion state, that's what majority of the people want. And next week, actually, actually, no, next week is holiday, so I'm going to skip that week. But the following week, I'm going to go into this whole concept of you know, our spirituality and turning politics into church because we need to talk about that. We really need to talk about that. The government is not church. We really need to talk about this. So we'll get into that. However, we've got to have an answer for the abortion attacks and we got to have an answer, particularly with diverse communities, for the usual attacks that we always get. The racism, the, you know, um, what is it? The racism, the, you know, hard lines in the sand that we always draw. Um, and the list goes on and on and on. But we've got to talk about it. And part of the reason why I feel like the Republican Party can't overcome the whole racism topic is because we pursue diverse voters for their vote only. We don't pursue them because we want to 
there to be a um, a conversation or a, a actual infusion of different people. <laughs> we really just want the vote. And once you get the vote, it's no longer, we don't have to do anything anymore. And that's a problem because we're dealing with human beings. We keep forgetting that people are people and people want to feel included. They don't want to feel like you're going to do me the same way the Democrat Party has done diverse voters for the last 50 years. Where at least on their end, they were lying to them. I mean, you know, I do realize that <laughs> maybe I should say at least because that's wrong, but I don't want to start lying to them. But at the same time, they gave them something. But now they're realizing that they were all lies and they're looking for truth. They're looking for acceptance. They're looking for somebody who can say, all right, I'm, 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 I'm going to make sure that I hear you, that I understand your concern. Because whether you like it or not, there are people who do live with PTSD when it comes to police officers. I mean, every man, black man in my family Maybe mine is my dad because he just hasn't shared it with me. But, I mean, my husband had a story where a police officer just got too much for no reason. Um, and and y'all know my husband. If you don't, he, look, <laughs> he is very stand-up. <laughs> He's never been arrested in his life. He is an Air Force Academy graduate. He's a veteran. I mean, but there was still this assumption. So you had equated to him being black. So there are people not the system, not the police force, but there are individuals that do ha- carry some types of some types of, you know, bones to pick. They have, you know, a little chip on their shoulder. It does happen. So for that, you have to have some level of compassion around the topic instead of saying, "Oh, that's not true. That never happened. You're over exaggerating. You just, you must you, you didn't comply." That's what happened. We've got to wake up to having no- normal authentic conversations. There was a post, I mean, a comment that was made by my former chairman. I used to work for GOP chairman, John Watson. Hey, John. And he, uh, he was probably, he he was one of my favorite boss. He really was. Um, But what was interesting is that during there was a Washington Post that was talking about what's going on, the current state of the GOP and just like like just how crazy everybody's looking. And he made a statement that I thought was interesting. He said there has been an emphasis on ideological cleansing instead of electioneering. And I was like, wow, that's kind of interesting. So we're going to dive into this. We're going to dive into what does that mean? But not so much so because I'm going to really break that down on the episode after the holidays. We're going to do a recap of an episode for Thanksgiving weekend because I know everyone is not going to be listening to me. They're going to be listening to all their family members and probably cursing someone out who's not a Republican or not Democrat. But anyway, so I'm going to let you have your fights. I'm hoping (laughs) that a little bit of this will come and help and you'll have more understanding and you'll walk into those situations with some compassion. However... If you choose violence that day, just know that I will not be on live. So, or with a new episode. So, that being said, I will go into deeper into his statement after the holidays. But I do think that there is a clear struggle between values and politics. 
So stay tuned, and I'm going to tell you, I'm going to close out this episode by whether or not I think it's tangible, the red wave. You're listening to Let's Talk About It with Janelle King. I am Janelle King, and this is Extra 106.3. I'll be back. A lifetime of hard work, children laughing in the kitchen, family photos on a restaurant wall, a legacy that lives on. It all comes from the power of a conversation, like the one Tommy Hall had with First Horizon Bank about taking over his father's Charleston-based restaurant business. Now the table is set for a whole new generation. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Tommy. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. The fan is ready for brave season. Are you? 3-1 smoked high in the air, deep center field, and heading for the horizon. A home run by Olsen. We're streaming every game of the Braves 2024 season free on the 680 The Fan app. So make sure you download it now and don't miss a pitch of the Braves this season. Welcome back to Let's Talk About It with Janelle King. I am Janelle King, and this is Extra 106.3. In case you missed the entire show, or you're wondering if you missed the entire show, you pretty much did. It's okay, though. It's totally okay, because you can watch or listen to the playback on my podcast on the following Tuesday. I always upload the full show on that podcast. And if you want to know where to get it, obviously, we're all wherever you get all of your podcasts. However... The fastest way to get to me is to go to my website, allthingsjking.com. That's all things with an S, J King, my name, my initials, and my last name, dot com. And uh, you can look, you can find all of my podcasts and you can go back and listen to others and all that good stuff. So, um, but <clears throat> today we're talking about whether or not the red wave is a real thing. Is it a myth? Is it a reality? Like, what are we really, really talking about? And I'm going to tell you now in this last few moments that I have with you what I think. I think we need to completely throw the whole idea of a red wave in the garbage. I don't I, I'm, I'm so over pushing for a red wave. And let me tell you why. Because when you start pushing for that, when you make that your goal, what you're really saying is I want all Republicans no matter what. I don't care if they're good. I don't care if they have good ideas, as long as they have an R by their name. And while that would be wonderful, I would love to have a Congress and a Senate and the White House full of Republicans who are legit in their love and their desire to see this country operating the way it has for so many years successfully. Successfully. Not the bad stuff, obviously, but the successful stuff. I would love to see that, and I would love that to be done by Republicans because I do believe that we're a little bit more grounded than Democrats. Just a little bit, but I do. Um, However, mentally, if you attach an R to winning, meaning we're losing, the country's losing as a whole, 
if the R is the only thing that matters, then you'll be willing to compromise even on your own core values if that means getting that win. It's like being on a drug. I feel like it's almost like a dopamine hit, right? And it's like, I, I've got to get my hit. If I don't get that hit, if I can't win the argument at the dinner table, if I can't walk into the room and everybody knows that the Republicans are leading, the Republicans are everything, then I'm not happy. That's what it creates. And that is when you start going to the left. No pun intended. But that is when <laughs> things really get off the, go off the rails. Because now you're losing sight of whether and what's best for the country and you're focusing in on a personal win. And that's where we are right now. I have a lot of concerns. My concern is that right now, looking into 2024, that Republicans are not respecting the primary. I'm really concerned about that. Because if we don't respect it, we already know the Democrats don't care. They won't even have a primary debate. They, they're acting like there's not even another candidate running against Biden, but there is Minnesota Congressman Dean Phillips. But no one even cares about that. I think you still have Marion Williams. I think she's still in the Democratic Party, right? Okay. And then we got RFK as an independent. You got Cornell West, who's running with the, for the Green Party. And now I think Jill Stein is jumping in it. So you have a lot of stuff happening on that side. Well, they're not. They're, they're more in the middle. But on the Democrat side, there's definitely an opportunity to have a debate. There's three candidates. But they've already said, we don't care about primaries. So the Democrats already said it. And now Republicans are doing it. If we kill the primary process, we are now entering into what you want to call it, a monarchy? Or do you want to call it a dictatorship? I mean, what do we want to call it? Because I personally do not want to live under Kim Jong-un's law. I don't. I don't want to live in a society where we have one person that's dictating everything or a group of people who's driving everything. And I know that it get me, I, I get the feeling and I know that there are a lot of people that get the feeling that that's already happening, but there are, we, we have the ability to hold it back as long as we maintain our process and stop pretending like this is cute. It's not cute to tear down the system. You can remove people, but that's not cute. That is going to destroy this country. It's like I'm saying, it's like me going in there, you know, we're contractors and when I look at buildings and stuff now, when I walk with my husband, I see things differently because he's pointed things out to me. But if I went in there and I completely cracked the foundation, knocked out all the stabilizing walls, the whole thing is going to crumble. That makes no sense. It's really idiotic, in my opinion. So I'm concerned that we're not respecting the primary and that we're, we're shunning people and making people feel bad if they're choosing to look at all the candidates. Stop that now. That is terrible. On top of that, I'm also concerned that we're putting all of our eggs in one basket. And the reason why I'm concerned about that is because at this point, and looking at the data, I'm looking at the data, Trump can only win if he's running against Biden. I think we all can see that. The data is showing that. You throw him up against any other Democrat, I'm telling you, you're going to have a problem. We need someone who can win because of what they're saying. It's not about so much the person. So if Trump can say something that is effective or have a policy positions that are effective, 
and he talks about it, not what he talked about in 2016, not what he talked about in 2020. I want to know what he's talking about in 2023. Don't nobody know because unless you attend those long rallies that are just two hours of talking and five hours of waiting in line, can we tell the truth? Can we really talk about this, y'all? Most people are not going to attend that. But that's the only time we get to hear them. So we got to force a debate. We have to force a debate. So we at least know what we're going into come 2024 in the general election. So not respecting the primary, putting all of our eggs in one basket. I'm concerned that Trump can only win if he runs against Biden. And then Biden's numbers are continuing to be a problem and Democrats are taking notice which means there's a probability that they're going to flip him out for somebody. And God forbid it's Michelle Obama. But we're just let that be. Because <laughs> if it's Michelle Obama, we might as well give up on black women. Okay? <laughs> like, they're all voting for Michelle. Not only that, but a lot of suburban white women are voting for Michelle. Not only that, but the LGBTQ community, she got them too. Let's be clear, she is the new Oprah. And if you don't know that, those of you who were uh, adults in the 90s, and you remember the influence that Oprah had, I mean, take that and multiply it by like 100. Pay attention. you got to pay attention. My next concern are third-party candidates. I am concerned about that because they are going to shake this election up. If you got RFK at 25% again, a head-to-head against Biden and, and Trump, that means we have a really major problem. Real quickly, as I wrap up, I'm also concerned that we're focusing so much on winning to prove a point rather than stabilizing the country. I think we have zero patience for anybody or anybody else or any perspective. And I don't think we're willing to compromise, which means we're okay with losing. (laughs) Because you can't even, if you're married, if you're any type of relationship at all, if you have a friendship of sibling, whatever, if you don't understand compromise, I'm telling you that relationship is going to be destroyed in 0.3 seconds. Thank you so much for joining the show, for listening to me. If you were able to get through the entire show, kudos to you. If, you, if you're one of those people that said, nope, I got I to gotta go early on, <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> or if you're joining me right now, please go back and listen to the playback on Tuesday uh, where you can hear the whole show. Thank you so, so much. Enjoy, enjoy your Thanksgiving weekend. Enjoy family. Be nice. Don't curse anybody out. Please have great discussions. And uh, yeah, uh, you'll see me again. We'll be back. Thank you so much. You're listening to Let's Talk About It with Janelle King. I am Janelle King, and this is Extra 106.3. Enjoy your weekend. This morning in the Atlanta airport, no one's missing a meal on Mac Wilburn's watch. With 11 restaurants to serve passengers, he's got dining for every destination. And it all started when Mac talked with First Horizon Bank about opening a franchise in the airport. Now it's open for business and cleared for takeoff. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Mac. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. 
the fan is ready for brave season. Are you? 3-1 smoked high in the air, deep center field, and heading for the horizon. A home run by Olsen. We're streaming every game of the Braves 2024 season free on the 680 The Fan app. So make sure you download it now and don't miss a pitch of the Braves this season.